Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Smiles of the nations. Wow, what a beautiful thing. Um, I want to pray uh, again right now. It's, um, our country is in a very... Uh, what, what can you say, precarious place, uh, another hinge pin in history, much like some of us, my generation grew up in, and uh, so we're, we'll just lift our nation up to God right now, can we do that, and uh, let's just pray for our leaders, let's pray for our churches, and uh, I know I saw a sign uh, last night uh, from Charlotte that said, call on Jesus, you know, someone had up, and and so uh, why don't we call on Jesus for for our country, and for our area. Father, we lift up our nation to you. We lift up, Lord, your people that you love. We lift up, God, our needs to you. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of peace, reconciliation, forgiveness. You are the God who reconciles the Jew and the Gentile, who bring the two together underneath the cross of Christ. You are the God who makes all things new. You are the hope of the nations. You are the hope of our states. You're the hope of our counties and our cities and our communities. So Jesus, we ask for you to come. We lift up our leaders to you. We pray, Lord, have mercy. Bring your wisdom, your direction, your peace, and your hope. Lord, to all peoples, all peoples, God. And Jesus, we celebrate that each time we may get discouraged or angry or feel left out or whatever, Lord, we look to the cross lifted high up above the earth and knowing that you will draw all men and women to you, God, all men and women to you. And so we pray for the cross, your cross, your sign of redemption, price that you paid for all of us, Lord, to be raised up over our nation even now, Lord. Come and rule and reign, like we just sang in the kingdom, Lord, in men's and women's hearts, so that we can experience a bit of your kingdom peace right here on earth, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's not, uh, it's not inappropriate even to say that uh, this message, this series we've been in with Titus, uh, Probably, indeed, segues in some parts to the situations we see in our country because there are different cultures uh, that the gospel found its way into as Paul and, and the different leaders of that early church made their way around the known world. And yes, it was small at that time, but it was their world. It was a small world, but it took a lot of effort on their part to to travel so far by foot or or by boat, and to get to every conceivable place they could to bring the good news of Christ to each one of the cultures and the peoples. And, and this book, the book of Titus that we've been in for the last three weeks, is no different. And Paul has been to Crete and has uh, preached the gospel, and people have come to Christ. And we know that the Cretans, even those of you who know that saying, live 
live like a cretin. You know what it means. You know you, that you're a brute, a glutton. Uh, you know you're you're just a t- kind of a terrible person if you're a cretin. And uh, that's where the term came from. Over 600 years before even this happened, as uh, you know, as one of their philosophers said. And so Paul, though, is not put off by he's not put off at all by the reputation of any group or people. Because the gospel is more powerful than any group of people. It's more powerful than any reputation that any group of people have. As we have seen as we make our way through the scriptures and all. And certainly the gospel is more powerful, powerful than, the, than the Cretans themselves. But just like many of us in our journey to follow Christ. Did you find out a few days after you responded to the call of Jesus. That not everything in your life was 100% changed. How long did it take you? Five minutes. How long? You know, I actually got about two days. Uh, not that I was perfect for two days. I just didn't know I was that imperfect for two days. But, but I remember driving down the road thinking, this is awesome, you know. Everything is just perfect. And uh, until, you know, something happens, you get angry, you get mad, you do something that you shouldn't do. And, and I think Paul is telling Titus here, he's like, we've made a great start in Crete. We've made a wonderful start on this island. And churches are popping up all over the place but our work is not done at all because the Cretans have quite a culture to deal with within themselves so I want you to go I'm going to drop you off dropped you off there on the island of Crete and I want you to go from church to church establishing leaders and set things in order and tell the churches this and so that's what we've been following for three weeks and it's it's been a good word to us as a local church as well this is one of one of the most efficient books I think in scripture, there is not one bit of it wasted. It's just power-packed, condensed with good instruction for any church and for any group of churches. And so uh, he's telling them early on that, you know, things have to be, things have to change. Your perspective of life and how you treat one another. And you have a reputation that you're carrying with you, Cretans. And now that Christ is a part of your life, we want to overturn that reputation. We want Christ to be preeminent in your life to the point that people don't remember what the reputation of the Cretans were. Now they look to Christ. They look to Jesus. And so uh, that's where we're going to end up today in the third chapter of Titus. If you've got your uh, Bible app or or you're taking the hot rod, the real deal, out for a ride today with the leather. Um, I like the hot rod. I'm just a kind of vintage guy there. So uh, I take the written word. And uh, but you know, in, the, in your handout on the back side of uh, of your handout is a fill-in that we use every week. And the theme of the third chapter is simply this: it's doing good for the sake of others. And wow, what a theme for us right now! Uh, doing good for the sake of others. And I think eight times in the book of Titus we see these instructions to do good, to do good, to do good, to do good. And instead of fulfilling what people had said about the Cretans for all of these years as their reputation he begins to tell them don't be known for that don't be known for being a glutton and for being a brute and a liar (laughs) be known for Christ and so that's where we're going to bring this uh, message to a close or this series to a close uh, today let's read the first scripture Titus 3 the first couple of verses uh, remind the oh by the way when you read the Bible uh, they have paragraphs here it's really a good practice to to think in paragraphs that's why they've written them this way because uh, so you think in that 
that subject matter. So a lot of times I'll try to break down the paragraphs and work through those as points. And that, that way you get the thought, not just the words, but you get the thought of what the, the author is saying. So we're going to do that today. Uh, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is what? Good. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. How's that for a challenge? I mean, it would do us some good, probably, honestly, Christians, not those of you who have not responded to Christ's call yet, for those of us who are following Jesus to, to maybe revisit what God has forgiven us of. How God has been considerate to us. How God has, you know, spoken up for us by the cross. I mean, what a word he has spoken to us in the cross. He was obedient so that we could have salvation and be restored to our God. In times like this, it's, it's important to, to remember that. It's, there's a humbling that comes and that we as Christ followers need to have at certain times because we are the salt of the earth. We're the city set on a hill that people are looking at. The light of the nation in a way. And so it's important. And so you're going to love this first fill-in because I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to adapt it. And, and so my first feeling is simply this, doing good when politics don't go my way. <laughs> <laughs> doing good when politics don't go my way. Now listen, it's not going to go some of your, your ways, okay? There's no way. We have a very diverse church, which I am so happy to have of many different opinions and many different convictions and political persuasions. And uh, I love the fact that the church can come together and submit themselves to Christ and learn about Jesus together and then let Jesus teach us as he would. And, uh, and so in this time, <clears throat> no, we can't exactly apply what was going on, what Paul was dealing with and Titus was dealing with at the time. The Roman government controlled everything. There was a peace in the land at this time, and the Romans saw, you know, saw fit that things did not get out of hand. So it was, it was a frail peace because if it, if it did get shaken or if someone uh, challenged it, of course the Roman government would slip in and suppress it fairly quickly, what they call the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And so they're living during this period of time. But as long as things were kind of settled, the church could move and the church could plant and the church could go about doing its business without being hindered as much as uh, in just a few years after this, things changed radically. And indeed, the church falls under tremendous persecution. And, uh, but at this time, Paul is out planting churches and, and he's telling the people in Crete, look, you guys are pretty bold people. You don't mind telling people what you believe and, and you're kind of in people's faces but I want to remind you just like in the passage in Romans about authorities and governments that we respect them now if this doesn't rub you I'm a 60s guy it rubs me wrong all right I was raised in the middle of some of what is going on even now and I was I, I experienced some of this and I experienced some of the feelings so I know how how difficult it can be when a feeling of injustice or a feeling of anger floods your body and your mind suddenly and you want to do something about it and Paul comes in and says listen be considerate 
be obedient. Keep the main thing the main thing. And let's keep working on our churches. Let's see that the salt that is a part of the gospel of Christ could find its way into the culture and begin to do its work. Do you get this? Because like some of you, some of you have been radically changed by God. You have found that God has allowed you and given you the power to love people you would have never loved before. That you have compassion for people like you never had before because of the breaking of your own heart before a holy God. And so Paul tells the Titus, look, tell the church, be at peace in the community. Bring some peace. Be considerate. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Do what is good. To slander no one. Holy mackerel, you know. <laughs> Turn your televisions on. Slander, slander, slander. You know, it's just again and again and again you get caught up in it. I get caught up in it. We all do at times. And it's good to read these scriptures. Slander no one. Who? No one. To be peaceable and considerate. I mean, is it amen or oh me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's probably oh me, right? I mean, we probably need to go. Oh, God, you know, my heart is not there. I, I, I repent and shove aside whatever anxiety and, and anger or threat. You know, we get angry when we're threatened, when we feel like we're about to lose something. Do you know you have something you can never lose in Christ? It's not the Pax Romana, it's not the peace of the United States, it's the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding. All understanding. And it empowers us to be a considerate, slanderless, if that's a word, people. Right? And Paul is encouraging Titus, teach these young churches, these new churches, in a culture who is not used to living like this at all, to live this way. Because we've got work to do. We've got doing good. On our agenda. And we have to be about doing good. For the sake of the gospels. Uh, Slander no one. I don't know. This is so blatantly obvious to me. Do we need to discuss this? Or is it like. (laughs) Well I wonder what slander means. Well uh, you know. Be considerate. Listening to someone else's opinion. Right? Considerate. Without interrupting. Listening, being respectful, not being threatened, but being considerate. What we have cannot be taken from us, the peace of Christ. We are in a very secure position, church, very secure position. And we can live like that in our culture to bring peace, to be a considerate people. So the first one, doing good when politics don't go my way because it's not going to go... 50% 50% of anybody's way. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen in, in, in the next year and next four years or whatever. We are at a very critical place, but I think we're at one of the probably best places for the kingdom to be revealed, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, to come to rule and reign in our communities than we've been in many, many years. And it's not going to happen without the church being a church that's considerate in a church that doesn't slander, in a church that embraces peace. And, uh, and so, we hear you, Paul. We hear you. Not easy, Paul. 
Titus is probably going, oh, brother, you know. He's going, i got to travel this island and tell these people this now. i got to go from church to church all over this island and preach this now. Yes, you do, Titus. Go and do this because we've got work to do. We've got kingdom work to do. We need to see people come to Christ. We need to see the poor taken care of. We need to feed people, give people water. We need to be with the lonely. We need to lay hands on the sick. We need to be out there. Let's not get distracted from our call. Continue on, Titus, with the churches in Crete. And I'll come along and back you up in a bit of time. Okay, let's read the next passage. Titus 3, 3. At one time, here's the memory. Let's throw back. Titus, remember this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Wow. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, But when, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. There's three different metaphors in that. And uh, let's go ahead and let's read the rest of it. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace. We might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what? What is good. Devote yourselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Remember the days. And this is your, your second fill in. Doing good because God has done good to me. Or God was good to me. Remember. Do you remember what God has done for you? I mean I take a trip back all the time. It is. I mean it's been a many many decades for me. But it doesn't. It's not hard for me to just immediately go back over all these years and to remember what he's done in my heart and what he continues to do. And Paul tells Titus, tell the, the churches in Crete, tell them, remember what God has done for you. At one time, you too were just as foolish as the other Cretans. And doing good does not make you good. Doing good comes out of the fact that God has now made you well with himself, right? And so this is something else Paul is straightening out. It's not that your doing good saves you. But because God's goodness has been poured out on you in Jesus Christ, it enables you now to have the power to do good to others. That is indeed, goes way beyond some moral... uh, Type of building, you know, I got to do good. I got to do good. I got to do good. Like there's somebody I don't like. Go over there and be good to them. Now, I'm not saying that's not bad, okay? That's submitting your flesh to God's word. That's good. But isn't it beautiful when God has turned your heart in such a way that no longer do you look at the person as your enemy, but you look at them as another human being that Jesus Christ has come to save and to restore to himself. And so now you are motivated out of this sense of the goodness of God that's been poured out on you so that you can show it to another person. And Paul says, go do that, Titus. Remember what you used to be? I was the same way, Paul says. Chasing Christians down, trying to kill them. 
I wasn't a good person, but look at the mercy of God and what he has done in my life. Remind the Cretan church. Remind them that they too at one time were like this so that they don't lose perspective. So that they don't get caught up in the fervor of the moment and the anger of the moment. But remember who they are and how far they've come because of Christ's mercy. And uh, indeed, as much mercy as you feel like you have experienced with God is the mercy you will give to others. And that's a really good way to look at your life and go, am I really, have I really considered the mercy you've poured out on me, Jesus? Because the amount that you extend to others is probably how much you think has been extended to you by God. Things that make you go, hmm. And, oh. <laughs> and that's a good growth. That's a good way to, to grow in Christ is to let God confront us with his mercy and his grace when he reminds us that you too were like this one time. You were not a good person. You may think you were a good person. Someone may have even told you you were a good person. But compared to God, you weren't in the ballpark. But yet God in his mercy, in his goodness, came and forgave you. And now he's invested that in you. Now you go and give it to others. So, doing good because God was good to me. And he, gives, he has these metaphors of washing and of rebirth and renewal. I mean, how, I mean, how much more blatantly obvious can he be about how beautiful and how finished a work God has done in our lives? Washing. I mean, you've been scrubbed clean. The unrighteousness in your life, the darkness of your heart. God has gone to work in Jesus Christ and began to wash and to cleanse. And to impute his own cleanliness and his own righteousness to you now. He's pressing into you his goodness. He's washed you of your own foulness. And presses into you. Washing, look at these metaphors, and a rebirth. Not only are you washed, but you have been born again. You're a new person. How obvious can God make this? <laughs> washed. You've been reborn. And then he says you've been renewed as well. Scrubbed clean. Born a new person. And renewed. I mean, that's kind of making sure you get the point, right? <laughs> and it's not like God did it a little bit. Because if you look through the scripture, he says he poured out generously on us his mercy. In other words, God is not stingy with his mercy. He doesn't hold back a little bit and say, Oh, you, you know, Tim, you just, I can only give you this much today. Man, no way. He pours it out. He's not stingy. He doesn't hold it back. And because he's poured it out on me, then I can give it to others. I can pour it out on others. God has given generously. He's washed us. We've been reborn in him. We've been renewed in him because of what God, the goodness that he's done in us, we can do good. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, there's this recurring group of words uh, that Paul wrote to another one of his young pastors, Timothy, uh, like he did Titus. Very similar books in some ways. But he writes to Timothy, command those who are rich in this. And, and when he says rich, this means all of us right here. Because at this time, everybody in this room was rich. Compared to this time. Got it? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. 
nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their what? Hope. See how Paul is so smart the way he uses words. Their hope in God, who? What word? Richly. Used rich up here, right? See how he's using these words, you know, repeating certain words to get the point over? Which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to what? Do good. To be what? Rich. There it is a third time. In what? You see how he flipped this? Good deeds and to be what? Generous and willing to share. Man, that is the economy of words right there, is it not? Now, don't tell me words like that just happen. I mean, that is brilliant. And we get the point, Paul. Thank you. And uh, command them to do good. You guys do good. (laughs) Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be wealthy in treating others well and doing good things. Build up your account till it's overflowing with more than you have. And then be generous with what you have. This is the church of Jesus. This is the way it behaves. Titus 3, 9. Let's get to the third one here. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. Making reference to the Jewish law and uh, that they lived under, under. Because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once. Or is it divisive? Which one? A person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. <laughs> you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Paul Oh, pour out the mercy of God. And then if somebody gets in and tries to disrupt it, warn them once, warn them twice, and don't even talk to them. (laughs) I mean, some of you are going, well, this is too much pie in the sky, nice. And then you read this and go, no, he's very pragmatic. All right, because the church, the church of Christ does have divisive people at times that come in and try to cause trouble. And sometimes they don't even know they're doing it and and just uh, split things up and all. So your third one is doing good by avoiding divisiveness. Doing good by avoiding divisiveness. It doesn't mean you don't have opinions. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means wherever we have our disagreements, let's make sure they are about something that is very, very important. Central to the cause of Christ. Not your perspective on the rapture. Or my perspective on the rapture, right? Not on whether I think you can have a beer while singing that great song a while ago. Or you don't believe in having a beer at all. We don't do things like that. You know, we leave those convictions up to each person as they pray and as they know their own limitations and all. But when it comes to the centrality of Christ and who he is and what he's called us to do, we keep it the centerpiece of everything that we do. And if someone comes in and wants to disrupt that and cause divisiveness in the middle of that, then... Paul tells his leader, Titus, and the, the, the others, he says, you deal with it. He doesn't want to lose them because he says, warn them once, warn them twice. They get two chances, three strikes, you're out. You know, so you wonder where it came from. And uh, that's it. You know, go to them. Say, look, please don't disrupt the church. You know, we got stuff to do. We're here. We're trying to do the work of Christ. And they keep going. And so the leaders have to go back to them again and say, look, you need to stop this, Okay. Especially about this legalism of following the law, following the law, or circumcision, which is probably what was going on here. Some Jewish 
Christians believed that the other Christians, all of them, had to be circumcised, had to obey the law. And so Paul is going, don't bring them back under bondage again. Let the law of Christ rule. Let the law of Christ rule in them now. And so, you know, we can do well. It doesn't mean you don't have opinions or anything like that. We've got so much to do together here that some of the little things that split churches up and cause problems are not worth the fight. They aren't. And there's enough freedom for many of us, just to, all of us, to have our own personal convictions about certain things and still work together, right? And so that's why I say there's some doctrines, there are different things that are not essential to us being a Christian church on the mission with Christ. There are some things that are left up for the Holy Spirit to convict ourselves about. Maybe weaknesses in our lives that we carry with us through our whole life that we cannot put ourselves around. Alcohol or something like that or... Or if you are a slanderous person, a gossip, you can't be around others like that because you find yourself getting caught up in it, becoming a part of it. So you're wise enough to know I can't be around that. I just can't, you know, because of that, that part of me that is still not wholly released, you know, and healed by Jesus yet. And so we leave room for all of that. So, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of things I could I could go into on that. I have, having... Been the, have the blessing of being around for a while now in, in three or four different church cultures. You know, you, you, have, you can see a lot of things cause problems in churches and divisiveness and, and all of this from the color of a carpet, which is not why we don't have carpet, but <laughs> 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 maybe it's a Freudian thing. I don't know. <laughs> you know, to, uh, to this coffee, really, that's why. And uh, so... You know, they're all kind of things. But, but we, have a, we have a journey to be on. And Paul says, make the main thing the main thing. You know, if you love Jesus and you love the things that he has done in your heart and in your life, we should be able to join forces to touch this world for him. And so we read the scripture together. We unpack it together. And then we, we go straight ahead. Let's go. And Paul says, don't let anybody stop that. You know, if somebody comes in and tries to divide the church... And to get it off track, you go to them. Try to keep them. Go to them once. Bag them. Say, please. Please. And the second time. Even a second time. Please. Please. Let's get back about what we're, you know, where we're headed. And then the third time, it's like when they start talking, just, <laughs> you know. Just, I, you know, we've talked three times. This, I'm not listening to this. Just not. Keep your eyes straight ahead and keep going. Let's read the last part of this. So doing good by avoiding divisiveness. Titus 3, 12 through 15. As soon as I send Artemis, love that name, or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I've decided to winter there. Uh, Nicopolis is kind of off the beaten track. It's a place he's going to spend, as he said, his winter there, probably studying and putting his plans together for how he's going to plant churches. Uh, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer. Lawyers are mentioned in the scripture in a positive way. See there? And my, our lawyers in our church, amen. I didn't hear any amens. Zenos the lawyer, and he's named Zenos the lawyer. Okay. And Apollos, who's quite the spokesman, uh, Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what? 
What is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And uh, one of the ways you keep from getting so divisive is you keep the main thing, the main thing, and you keep doing good. And your last feeling is doing good by providing for the needs of the church. Doing good by providing for the needs of the church. Artemis, we don't know. Uh, wasn't he the drummer for Leonard Skinner? <laughs> Artemis Powell, wasn't that his name? Uh, so I have heard of him before. Uh, Artemis, we know nothing of. And, uh, but Tychicus was sent to uh, Ephesus to help lead the church there. Zenos the lawyer was probably a jurist. He was a specialist in Roman law, most likely, and which was very helpful because Paul being a Roman citizen as well, when they moved about the Roman Empire, if they had someone who knew the law, uh, Zenos could help them navigate the waters the right way so that they can move through and uh, you know, not step on the toes that they shouldn't take advantage of being a Roman citizen the best that they could. So Zenos was a huge help. When I read this list, I think of the end of Romans where he goes through this litany of names of everybody from a public works official right on down to Bible study leaders and all and how much Paul appreciates every one of these. And Apollos, who's well-known person that Aquila and Priscilla, this couple, heard Apollos talking and they said, man, this guy, this is over in the book of Acts, this guy is really quite the speaker, but he's not got everything exactly right about Jesus. And so Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos into their house and taught him, discipled him, and now Apollos, in this beautiful, is out traveling with Paul. And he's out doing the work of the ministry because he's a wonderful speaker and he's a very intelligent man. And so he is out doing the work of the gospel now. So the whole church is working together. And, um, you know, you church, you stand in this historical line. One of the most powerful meetings I've ever been in is when our national director was preaching at one of our leadership meetings. And he looked at us and he said, he started pointing out in this gathering and he says, do you know who's in front of you? Look in front of the line. There's Paul. There's Tychicus. There's Apollos. There's Zenos the lawyer. There's, you know, Peter. There's John. There's, he just started going through, the, and then he started going down this history of martyrs, of people who had been martyred for the faith. And he says, do you realize you're standing in line with these people? You're standing in line with these people. We don't even know who Tychicus is, but he's in the line. We don't know what, all these, what else he did, except that Paul says, you're important to see that the, the needs of the churches are met. You're in that line, church. Local church gets this work done. This is who gets it done. It doesn't get done without the local church. You saying, I want to do good in my community and beyond. I think Doug's on his way back from, uh, from India and coming back soon when we send people out and they come back and, and their missions work and all. It's the local church doing this. We deciding that we are going to take care of the urgent needs of people when the students come, when the children come, when our friends come, and when we go to them and we help and we adopt schools and we do all of this, it's the local church doing that. And it's the local church that says, I want to do good. So let me supply. Let me supply what you need in order to accomplish it. And the church pulls together and it gets done. It gets done. And so that's the last part I think he is pointing to is that Indeed, 
The urgent needs are met, as Paul says. And all the needs are met through the local church. What a power-packed little letter. Paul says to, to the Cretans, you were known as Cretans, but I want you to be known as Christians. You were known as being, what do they call us, Myrtle Beachians? <laughs> Sinners. It's <laughs> 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 great. <laughs> yeah. But Paul says, the mercy, you've been washed. You've been reborn. You've been renewed. God has not been stingy with his grace. He's not been stingy with his mercy. Don't you be stingy with doing good for the sake of others. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. May your kingdom come. May your will be done right here on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. We as a church this morning, and we probably have guests representatives from other churches here as well this morning lord we look into our heart and we say here we are lord you have sent us we don't have to say send us you have sent us all we have to do is be obedient obedient to do good for the sake of others lord thank you for even in the second chapter you told us to to do good for the sake of one another within the church and then you close the letter out saying do good for the sake of others. The Lord, we as a church here at Seco's Vineyard, I as a pastor, Lord, I commit that the days of my life, the days of this church, as long as I'm involved and a part of it, Lord, that we will be about doing good for the sake of the gospel. And we pray indeed, Lord, That people would see that you have not been stingy with your grace and mercy in our lives. Because we will not be stingy with that to them. Let's stand, people. Let's stand, folks. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.